you know, you're going to do stuff, you're going to invest stuff, you're going to spend money the wrong way or the way that, you know, doesn't align with you and just learn from it. I think we do so much beating up on ourselves. Like the last thing we need in our business is to beat ourselves up because we didn't make our sales quota or, you know, we didn't make the right hire or whatever. And like, just look at what you learned from it. Like, oh, I didn't, and a lot of times like, oh, I didn't know that X, Y, and Z existed or I could do it that way. So I can do that. If you step into just being determined to do things differently, then it'll happen. For me, there's always another level, another lesson, another something. Sometimes things, you know, show up and I'm like, oh, well, isn't that interesting that, you know, I'm having this experience with, you know, whether it's business or personal and, you know, this is from my past. So it allows me to see in a non-judgmental way, oh, I can do this differently. This is where, this is where the benefit is because I'm going to be able to yield a different result. But I'm in the inquiry again of what am I what am I really learning here? You know, what's showing up for me that I need to do differently and look at differently. When I can fully get into that place, even when I'm still experiencing the upset, there's a lot of peace that kind of comes through in that place. So the you know, the event isn't as traumatic. That's Emmy Kirshner, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do a Day Podcast. You hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do a Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do a Day podcast where I bring you incredible people, inspiring people who have these stories that inspired them, that taught them something that they're here to share with all of you. And that's exactly what I have on today. I have Emmy Kirshner on the show. She is a business coach, a strategist who really has learned through her own experience, starting early, early on in childhood, the way she grew up, which we're going to get into, where she didn't feel like she had a voice and not really sure how to express her needs or whether her needs would be heard or met. And that informed not just how she parents, but also how she goes about interacting with clients, for example, or how she's built her business and the work that she's done on leadership with her Tribe of Leaders podcast and group. Emmy is someone who has taken in her own life experience and used it to shape how she helps others. So we get into her story. We get into what she tries to help others with to understand not just how to take feedback from others, how to have their voice heard, but even how to take feedback from yourself. Because if you can't hear your own voice, what good is that? How can you expect to hear anybody else's? Emmy is an expert in creating and implementing strategic long-term plans, increasing productivity and performance, increasing sales and business achievement, building leadership skills, all this awesome stuff. And it really all started with her own experience through life, through her career as a mother, as a business owner, the whole nine. So we're going to jump into this episode with Emmy Kirshner. I think she's awesome. I love the way she tells her story and finds the knowledge and the inspiration that honestly, like, gets me thinking twice about some of the ways I've done things and how I can do better. And I'm sure it will do the same for you. Emmy Kirshner, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I am so super excited to be here. That's awesome because we're going to need it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> foreboding, right? Um, uh, <laughs> I definitely, um, I appreciate getting to get connected to you. I think it was Carly Myers who hooked us up in yeah, the first yeah. place. So thank you to Carly. And um, as we're recording this, I'm actually getting ready to put her episode out. So it's kind of fun timing that it all comes together at the same time. Um, but this isn't about Carly, it's about you. So before we jump in all the backstory and everything, can you give us the high level of just kind of who you are today? And then we'll work into what got you there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like high level, 30,000 you know, feet view, 
Um, I work, I'm a business coach. I work with creative entrepreneurs who are passionate about making a difference in other people's lives. And I help them build six figure and multi six figure businesses profitably. And the key being profitably. Yeah. Um, What's when you say creative entrepreneurs, is that yeah. like people who are building businesses in a specific area or a mindset? Like what makes someone a creative versus a non creative entrepreneur? Yeah. So for me, at least, um, there are people who tend to be more right brained, more not necessarily an art artist, but mm-hmm. they tend to be more visionary. They've got great ideas, they've got a huge vision. They're less in the like analytical, logical state mm. of their brain, and because they're they lack either the knowledge or you know they are really you know in that right uh, right hand part of the brain, they don't set up systems or habits or structures for those themselves and their business to be successful. So that's where I help them. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they don't have to be doing like it doesn't have to be an artist or. No, the yeah. industries are yeah. non connected and broad. It's yeah. really just the type of person that's that I, I can help most effectively because I I am that and I've taught myself and I've done a lot of work in how do I create the the success. That's gonna be pretty cool getting to see such a variety of industries. So like they've got the idea side and you bring the systems in yeah. to help help the ideas thrive. It really matches my background because my background um, in my professional career has been in a number of different industries. So I'm able to take that and mesh it into other people's businesses without being locked into, I only do this. Mm. So I'm really right there with them, meeting them where they're at and able to bring in a variety of different insight and experience. So yeah, it's super fun. And you've got your podcast. So what and is I that have side my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some of that started because I'm, as I'm helping my people, a lot of them don't look at themselves as leaders. Mm. When in fact, you know, maybe they don't have the audience or the influence yet, but they're really disruptors in their industries. They've, they're thinking about things differently. They want to be able to up level humankind and, and whatever their focus is. And the podcast started because I wanted to be able to share stories of existing leaders to show them that not everybody is, you know, this world renowned fill in the blank, Mm. right? That everybody is a leader and it's the stories and the experiences of the people that I'm interviewing, as you know, because you were on there. um, I'm cheating right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But your story is really important. Right. Like that's and if my people can hear that yeah. and be inspired and take action or think outside of you know the box that we all live in to some extent, if they can hear that, then they're going to go do the thing that they love doing and make the change that they want yeah. in a whole different way. Because I think, you know, building a business, particularly um, as somebody who's working from home um, or, you know, not in an office, like it's really isolating when you're not surrounded by a ton of other entrepreneurs who are kind of slogging through the same questions and ups and downs and, and successes and failures. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And it's interesting. You said about not seeing themselves as leaders and and your podcast, the tribe of leaders is like, we all are leaders and we're all interconnected, even though we have these very different backgrounds. Um, to me, this is, uh, Again, like I'm cheating, but it, it's a perfect segue into your whole backstory because yeah. the consistent message here is about seeing yourself and seeing the value in yourself and not getting stuck in these labels we do or don't allow ourselves to uh, to sort of bask in like, oh, I'm not a leader. Well, that means yeah. you can't lead. And it's like you, you start framing yourself that way. Um, so let's let's get even deeper in the background side. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, where to start, right? Um so, and it, let me kind of just, I could think, start with some of my professional stuff. So people yeah. have, have a general idea of, um, like how windy it's been because it's so non-linear in that, I mean, I went to college for business administration and marketing, which was lovely. Um, and then it was 1993 when I graduated. So we were in like mini recession. There weren't yeah. a ton of jobs. Um, I moved with my, um, 
now ex-husband down to Pensacola, Florida. He was in the Marines and going into flight school and um, couldn't find a job. So I started temping Mm -hmm. and had the opportunity to work in a number of different industries, uh, but then kind of continued with just different places. So everything from convention planning and event planning to project management, financial services, catering, um, personal chefing, and some other things I'm not even thinking about right now. Like you wouldn't, if you look at it, right. The top layer, you wouldn't think that there's any like continuity there, but for me, there was like, I learned more about selling, um, catering Mm. than I did anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been able to pull all of those things in to help my people, but it really wasn't, I think there's two places too. going back into like my early childhood. Uh, you know, I moved, we moved around a lot. I went to three elementary schools. Um, I'm going to say two and a half junior highs. Cause one was like a sixth grade center thing. And then like the seventh grade. So same township, but yeah. still like new kids, totally different routine, very weird. And then we moved um, from Massachusetts to Virginia, so culturally different. And then um, why why the moves? What was going on? Some of it was like my parents thought that we were going to be moving to a better school district. Some of it was my dad's job situation, um, and I think just kind of the way things worked out. I, I'd love to say it was purposeful, but I don't. It wasn't. Yeah. It's the way I see it. But it's not like army brat situation. Like no, going, no. Yeah. No, I mean, the the most shocking for me was I went to three high schools and the second high school, um, we were living right outside of D.C. and Virginia. So, I mean, we my friends and I would go into D.C. for, you know, a Saturday or whatever. And then we moved to New Hampshire where we lived like half a mile past the pig farm. Yeah. And I was like, culture shock again. Totally and, different. Wow. Yeah. And... You know, my parents are reflecting upon it differently now, but I think one of the things that was really frustrating for me was that, like, we weren't, my sister and I weren't given a lot of opinion or option of what the family choice was, which has really influenced how I raised my kids. Uh, And it made, it really made me feel too, like, I just didn't matter, Mm. like, it didn't matter that I had like just made friends and I was just, you know, getting settled and really getting grounded in school and everything. And, um, did you ever voice that? I did. Yeah. Later. I don't remember the exact age. I was out of college at that point. I mean, I'm sure we're moving and you're like, what do you mean? I can't do this. I just made friends or I did, um, the last move because like I'd been in the second high school for a year and a half. Yeah. And, um, I wanted, and we were moving like the end of like third quarter. So I like literally had a couple of months and I wanted to stay. Like, I just wanted to finish that year. And I was like turning 16 or 17 and kind of coming out of my ugly teenager phase. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, it just wasn't heard. It wasn't like really acknowledged in a, you know, no, that's not the right thing for you type of thing. And like looking back at it now, I can see, you know, their decision-making process. It just was really frustrating on the front end. Um, You see it. That doesn't mean it's right or that it was the best decisions either. Whether, you know, like I've gotten into this conversation with someone is like, you watch someone's behavior, it comes from a place of trauma or hurt or whatever. And you're like, well, Mm -hmm. I understand why they're doing that. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean that it's okay for them to hit that person or to do it. Like understanding is not the same thing as, as, uh, agreeing with or validating that it was an okay path. Absolutely. And, and more my place now is coming from a place of forgiveness and understanding Mm -hmm. that regardless of whatever happened, they were trying to, you know, do the best that they could. Mm. Um, it gave, as I said, it gave me a lot of information about how I wanted to parent because how I've raised my kids is they've always had a say. Yeah. Uh, I referred to it as a democratic dictatorship uh, being, you know, a single mom for, I think now 13 years. And we've decided things as, you know, the three of us, 
with me, obviously, as the adult having the ultimate say of whether you know we were going to do something or not. And it's given my kids the opportunity to talk to and speak with adults in a different way, too. Probably so. their entire life then. Yeah. 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 Like they are clear about what they want and they have no issue with voicing their opinions of, of, Hey, this doesn't work for me. And this is what would work for me. Yeah. And they probably communicate really well as a result of that. Cause they've gotten that training and that openness to try. I, I hope so. Um, my older guy, his birthday is, is today. So he just turned 21. Wow. And I think he's done a great job. Uh, most of the time. I mean, you know, everybody has moments, but of at least with me saying, Hey, this is, this is what I need right now. Um, as he's going through, you know, different things in his life. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is a really, it's a really difficult one to unpack that I get into with a number of people who have had some really formative experience with their parents mm-hmm. and either gone down that path or kind of railed against it. Maybe not know like, um, I don't know, like a violent or, or extreme way, but just like they made those decisions. I didn't feel good about it. So I'm going to do the opposite. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like some of the simple things, but others is like I grew up the ch- not not me specifically, but like one grew up the child of alcoholics. And then you see like those children become alcoholics or will never touch alcohol. Or you see people who have been abused and they become abusers or they are so, you know, completely opposed to it, would never do that. You know, it's like you see this split. And so you took you took the the one side, the side that is that's not how I'm going to be. Whereas other people may be like, oh, oh, like I was fine. That's just the way it is. And like, you know, you got to do what you got to do as parents. And so you get on with it and the kids adjust. And what what do you think leads to taking one path versus the other, at least for you? Like, it sounds like it was a conscious choice. It was absolutely a conscious choice because when I had Brian, my oldest. Um, I and or I, why? Uh, I. Ah, all right. He's got his I. life easy. He doesn't know about misspelled <laughs> name tags and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, like, I vividly remember, and he was probably only like a week or two old, but all of the stuff that had happened in my past had informed me about how I wanted to parent and I was holding him in like the front yard of our, our first house and like consciously deciding that he and then his brother um, were going to be the most important things in my life from the standpoint of like I was committed to doing my best as a parent. And it's been really interesting for me being on like the other end of that where they're now 19 and 21 where like I can relinquish Mm. that and move on to something else yeah um so yeah a lot of things that happened or the way i perceived them um i very intentionally was like all right no no i'm not doing that yeah um and it's not in a complete opposite but i think because the way i grew up and the way i internalized so many different messages like I wasn't valuing myself mm. and it wasn't until I got divorced that I really started to understand like what that meant and everything that had kind of come to, you know, from the past and then into this reality of, of divorcing and it being really unpleasant. And I mean, one of the things that was going through my head is, as nothing was working. It's like one, I, I couldn't, I knew that I couldn't be in this marriage anymore. And again, not because of, you know, my ex-husband specifically, it just didn't, like, we don't work together. Yeah. And I wasn't going to be showing my kids what a good mom was, what a strong woman was, what a leader was, even though I wasn't framing it in that, that way at that point. And, you know, if I stayed, mm. Um, because I was sick all the time. Like I was sick. I was exhausted. I had like four or five sinus infections in a three month period. Yeah. And like now other than you know, the last, this last weird period of my life, like I generally don't get sick. So um, it's, yeah, it's been really interesting to see everything kind of evolve and shift. And, and I see this with my clients too, as I've up-leveled 
as I've changed, um, and really within any relationship, but particularly with my kids, as I've raised the expectation of who I was and that what I want for them, without there ever being a conversation, they've just up leveled and come along with me. Mm. And that's really cool to be aware of and then to see. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think you didn't need to have an explicit conversation? Is that is that the byproduct of these years of giving them a voice and having them matter? Or is there something else to it? I think it's just the energy of being. Like, I was no longer tolerating and insert any number of things, yeah. right? So whether it was, I was no longer tolerating that they were, um, you know, weren't getting good grades because they weren't studying, or I was no longer tolerating um, not taking care of myself. It, I'm acting in a different way. I'm vibrating in a, in a different energy level and that radiates out to everybody else. So it's not like an instant, you know, oh, I made this decision and I'm doing things differently for a week and suddenly they're in line. It's more kind of the evolution of stuff where you look over a period of time, whether it's a month or a couple of months and mm. things just become easier because I'm not holding on to, you know, whatever as tightly. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it with my clients. Like when they start, stop worrying about whatever, that's when they make the money. Yeah. And yeah. clients flood to them. It's like they're blocking or pushing away stuff. So it's, yeah. I feel like that's really a cool. story we hear so often. And when we're in the throes of that worry, we're like, yeah, but you don't understand what I'm going, like, it's different for me. I get why they could do it. Or that's nice. They don't have my realities. Yeah. And for me, like we're all experiencing the same thing. It may look a little bit different on the outside, but somewhere in the back of your head, at some point there's been the, I'm not enough. I don't have enough value. I don't like it. It all ties in together and releasing that, you know, is it's a process. Well, let, let's go back to that comment. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, that's a really foundational concept for me. It's the the first thing I teach in the whole do a day approach is like it's that self worth that self love, valuing yourself you know however mm -hmm. you want to frame it. Um, so did that like t talk about how that played out for you both the lacking of it and the development of it because it wasn't like light switch moment where yeah. it's like oh, okay now I'm good I get myself I'm we're we're yeah. moving ahead. So like coming up in this this environment without choice, without agency over your life situation and your social situation and really anything right. um, through to where you're at today. What is, what is this path for you? Yeah. So for me, um, it, I mean, the biggest wake up call was when I got divorced because I was so sick and I was like, this is crazy. Like I can't spend the rest of my life being sick all winter yeah. and having sinus infections. I mean, they're going to run out of antibiotics to give me at some point. Um, and it was, it, it really for me started with, I just want to feel good. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to be in the throes of the struggle all the time. So what does that look like for me? And I started kind of that inquiry um, of, and, and where I'm at now where like, I just want to play. Like, let's go have fun. And because so much of life is super serious, sometimes the, I don't know, the small ridiculousness of like a small joke or just being silly. And like, I'm known for throwing glitter on stage um, because it's, it's fun and it's messy and it stays with you forever. And uh, like that kind of growth is what was really the catalyst for me. Mm. And, and moving forward into really the self-love piece. Yeah. Because um, if you're not valuing who you are, like your core abilities, your core strengths, you know, just your being, then to me, you're really not loving yourself. Yeah. So how were you able to give your kids what you gave them and those conscious decisions you made, you know, as, as a as Brian was born and, and you had that realization and everything and coming from your past, how were you able to yeah. do that yet not have that self-valuation? Like, cause I, I yeah. see it as sort of a, a gating factor, but obviously it isn't. I didn't initially because I was like, I'm going to be the best mom ever, which meant for me that I was going to be this like super Martha Stewart. 
and without the prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I had the most fantastical, you know, Christmases and I decorated every part of my house and we had 10 course dinners and I learned to cook and, and, um, you know, I ran a book club and did stuff at their school and I did it all. Yeah. Um, but that was part of the me being sick piece mm. too, because I was exhausted at some point. So kind of coming into that realization that that wasn't the way I wanted to be and making that change is really where it started for them. Mm. Um, because I was doing what I thought was what I, and what I had experienced, you know, just growing up, I really was doing what I thought was the commitment where now I really see myself as a guider for both of them. And, and particularly as we, you know, I was getting divorced and they were five and seven when that happened, but as they were entering their teenage years, like I knew they had minds of their own and the best way I can help them was to have them explore what they wanted and what they wanted to experience and who they were. Hmm. So that's how it shifted. So I went from, you know, decorating the entire house inside and out to, you know, our family plan for the holidays was like no tree. Hmm. And, you know, what were the experiences that we wanted to have? And that was kind of the conversation that we had, you know, quarterly. Um, and I would also ask them, and I got this from Lisa Nichols to um, like rate our relationship on a scale of one to 10. And then what do I need? You know, what do we need to do to have uh, it be a 10? I started asking them that when they were like 12 and, and 14. So it gives them the opportunity to think differently yeah. about it and what, and ask them, like I gave them permission to ask them what they need for me. Do you remember their initial score? Brian gave me, um, every year Brian gave me a nine. He's like, you can't earn a 10. He's like, nobody's earning a 10. I'm just not giving you a 10. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, that. I can't think of anything. Um, I think Matthew gave me a seven or eight, but I don't remember what at this point, what the, um, the thing was that he wanted to be different right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm always so. curious with kids if it's like, it's like a 10 and then you ask them why, or it's a nine and they're, or whatever it is. And the reasons are either really trivial like that time I wanted to have a marshmallow and you didn't let me or like <laughs> yeah. actually th when they blow you away with their insight yeah. um yeah. you know like well why is it such a high score and it's like because you did this for me or because you make me feel it's like wow um yeah well, it's it not seems as simple to be, as we think sometimes right it seems to be one or the other it's some it's the marshmallow thing or something really profound yeah so yeah, so it's been an interesting journey with them. Well, and so as you're describing this, like I can very easily and maybe I'm projecting, but insert like my client in for the word, my son or my kids. Like I could yeah. see how it's a very similar kind of journey, like getting them to think through and talk through and get in touch with what actually matters to them and what they would would like and how they're valuing what's around them right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually just talked to a girlfriend of mine. Um, before we hopped on and she's you know she's thinking about pivoting in her business and was unclear about which way she wanted to go so I'm like well let me just ask you some rapid fire questions like yeah. don't think about it just answer she was like wow that was so helpful yeah. so yeah it, it's the same thing for everybody like I really see a lot of overlap between all areas of life because how we're showing up in one place is how we're showing up in all of those places yeah you wrote something, um, I think it was on LinkedIn or something about like the list of the, the things you, you like in your perfect man and you're like, you know, this, oh, like, yeah. it's the same thing in like the perfect job or the perfect, and it's like, yeah, it is kind of the same all around if we're really in touch with who we are or do we see ourselves compartmentalized, which is not a realistic view of who we actually are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, my I man find was, random which... stuff. <laughs> well... I wrote that a year ago um, and I use that to teach my clients about, you know, client avatar and really narrowing their, their niche mm -hmm. um, because it's not about having all of it in there. Mm -hmm. It's about getting clear about what you want so you can bring it to you mm -hmm. and, and choosing the things that are most important and um, 
like I've refined it. It's something that I used to write like every year after a relationship had finished because I had found little things that I'd written there. And I'm like, oh, well, that person is exactly that. Like, look what you brought in, but that's yeah. not what you want. Yeah. So. Or maybe um, it's the interplay between the things that you're trading off. It's not any one discrete thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I love, I like list making because it yeah. helps me get clarity around everything. And I think knowing what you want and so many people don't like if you ask them what do you want to happen this year or in five years like they have no idea or it's this kind of vague thing and it's really hard to go after and achieve something that's vague yeah yeah and it's interesting like going to your conversation about your girlfriend and the list making all these are exercises in bringing out what is already inside of you mm-hmm. um And I think that's something that's probably where most of us need the help is a in bringing it out, but also realizing we had the answer all along. We just weren't in touch with it or valuing like back to your valuing. It's like seeking someone else to tell you what to do. Yeah. Cause the ego has the, well, I should be doing this or I should be this, or it has to look like this instead of really getting centered about what's coming from within. Mm -hmm. And um, and you know, what I asked her was what's most important family or work right now. And she was like family. I'm like, okay, well then this other option might be the best thing for you. Yeah. I, I had someone who we had that conversation and she, you know, default said family and, um, you know, she, she didn't, she had to pass on this job that would have meant relocating. She had two young kids and didn't want to take mm-hmm. them out. As, I mean, you know, back to the stuff we talked about for you, like, you know, she, put her kids needs first mm-hmm. and was so upset with not taking the job. And I think it's part of it was because it was challenging her sense of family first. And that's what I'm supposed to care about. You know, like I shouldn't mourn the loss of, of this job opportunity because of the cost to my family. And it's like, well, okay, maybe that's just the, you should answer family first, especially as the mom, even though she's like, she's in the more traditional um, male role or husband stay at home she's the breadwinner so to speak and like that's a flip from what she grew up with so there's just a disconnect there with her yeah. sense of but then also like am I a bad mom for saying I wish I could have taken this job it doesn't mean I resent my family does it, it it's a incredibly meaty conversation and, and sense of feelings to go through yeah it's and I think it's I don't want to say hard but I think I guess media is the right is the right word because there's a, so many layers to that. Yeah. Um, and when do I focus on which thing? Yeah. And and as a single mom starting a business with two kids who are, I mean, very different and had completely different needs. Mm. Um, and Matthew had some learning disabilities, so he needed extra support, and I had to go and you know deal with the school and um, really advocate for him. I've created a sense of flow for my life Mm -hmm. that has allowed me to be in all the places that I want to be, just not at the same time and not with the same focus all the time. Um, It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't like, I mean, I see so many articles about life balance and life, you know, work life balance and it it drives me. It's like one of my pet peeves Yeah. Um, because there is no balance. So it's, it's really what's most important to me to accomplish my goals and I'm sure you know family is important to her but the job maybe that was the like the really important thing for her too yeah and just because one thing is more important than the other doesn't mean you're not feeling things about the other yeah you know it's, it like yeah. everything's and that's what like work-life balance one of the reasons why I don't like talking about it like that is it assumes the two are separate things yeah and I would say like you don't walk in the door at home from a bad day at work and not carry that in like they the two intertwine with each other and especially today like back in the day there were no i was gonna say blackberries there, there are no blackberries today either but there were no like you know like email wasn't with you 24 7 because it didn't right. exist yet and so it's like right. when you left work you left work yeah. and now it's like there is much more bleeding together and that's without even talking about like people who are self-employed working from home where your life is your work and your home is your office and there yeah. is no line. Yeah. And it's it's just constant. I mean, people ping you at 10 o'clock at night and yeah. they expect an answer. Yeah. 
um, and unless you're training them and I'm air quoting, but unless you're training them to not like, go ahead and leave me the message, but I'm not responding. And I think that's a boundary that we, we all in general have a hard time establishing. Yeah. But we talk Um, about it a lot. We do. Yeah. We do. Or we start emails uh, with, I'm not expecting you to do anything with this on the weekend. It's like, well, then maybe leave it in your drafts until Monday. Yeah. Because I'm at least going to, it's going to be on my mind. Like, I'm going to notice that it came through, whether I read it or engage with it or not. Yeah. 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 Um, And that's, I mean, one thing that I have done with my kids, but also something that I'm in process of just up-leveling all the time in my business. Um, Because, like, I, you need the downtime, the complete, like, I'm not thinking about work or whatever you're creating to have creative ideas yeah like to just let the nothingness be there so that you can grow and uh, and move forward so uh yeah i like there's days i don't check email yeah usually sunday so. that's i mean i think that's a really good place to start actually is just pick a day and make a point of it um i'm i'm watching reruns of mr robot which like I watched at some point and then just stopped. Um, so I'm catching up, but I noticed this FBI agent gets up in the middle of the night and goes to a safe in her closet. And I'm thinking like FBI agent, maybe it's a gun safe or something. She punches in the code and people had already shot themselves in this. So I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Another one. She, right. her, that's where her iPhone is during the night. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so a good for her for doing that. And B, what was the point? Because it's like 2 a.m. and she just unlocked the safe and got her phone out. So it didn't really achieve it. But it's an interesting concept. Lock your phone away in a safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of people like they get the little flip phones because yeah. they want to be not on like social media or whatever. For me, it's just really the discipline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the commitment to like, I don't want to be attached all the time. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. And the flip phone allows the spammers to still call them with the uh, your credit card account and fraud and whatever. Yeah. Um, I got one right before we, we connected. It reminded me to put my phone on, on airplane mode before <laughs> we started recording. <laughs> um, I want to step back for a second, though. Um, yeah. So you, when does your business start to come together then? Is it pre-divorce or post-divorce? So it was well, this business post-divorce, I had my first business as a personal chef um, pre-divorce mm-hmm. and then I had moved in and was really like starting to build my own catering business um, in divorce land. And um, I it never really took off because I couldn't put the time into it and take care of my kids yeah. um, and work, you know, crazy hours and, and everything like I. And I think even at that point, even if my kids have been a little bit more like balanced and okay, because they really had a hard time that first year after he had moved out and everything. Um, I don't think I was in a place to build it as rapidly as I would have needed it mm-hmm. to. Um, so it was a great experience and I have no regrets that like I kind of let it just die off and, and do something else. Um, but I loved cooking and I loved the party piece of it. Mm-hmm. I love creating the event. And that's what I would get into with my clients is, And I think one of the things that made me different was like, tell me about how you want to experience this. Like what memories do you want to have? Mm. You know, it wasn't just about the food. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of fun, but um, this business, and really I don't think I could be doing this business without the divorce. Why is that? Because it, because it, the divorce was the catalyst for me. And when I'm, I'm speaking, a lot of times I'll talk about how, like I was waiting for Prince Charming to ride by. And, you know, if he had, like I was waiting for somebody to save me, like pull mm. me out of the misery of like everything that was horrible was going on. Mm. Um, but if Prince Charming had gone by, I was busy blowing my nose with another sinus infection. And everything that came out of that was like the only person who can save me is me yeah like the only person who can make change and live the life that i want to have is me and the only person that can lead my kids the way i want them to be led is me so it was really about taking a lot of accountability and 
you know, meandering through, you know, different levels of, of personal development, which then led to me becoming a health coach and then just organically moving into business coaching. But the mindset work that I've done, that I've continued to do, that I teach, that, you know, I help my clients with, none of that would have happened if I had stayed married. Mm. Yeah. There's a there's a wellness story through a lot of what you've done. Mm-hmm. Do you still are you still in touch with that that side of your work, or is that more just a personal thing now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, including the food work, like it. Well, from yeah, getting your backstory Brian, right. Yeah, Brian. I, like I moved into healthy eating and healthy cooking because Brian, when he was about a year, had digestive issues and. Um, the doctors and all the specialists had no idea you know, what was wrong with him. We did all these tests and everything. And the last pediatric gastroenterologist that we saw was like, we don't know. Good luck. Give him some more olive oil so that he doesn't lose any more weight and see you later. Mm. And I was like 28 at the time. So oh. I was young. I had no clue what I was doing as a parent. And yeah. totally freaked out. Yeah. And now this person who was supposed to be the solver of the problem <laughs> was like, we don't know either. So I started looking at everything and reading everything and really looking at what like triggered Brian and what didn't. And it took me about a year and a half, but I healed his gut. Oh. So that was the catalyst for the health part. And I truly believe that food can heal pretty much everything. Is he My- totally fine today? Or he eats yeah. in a way that supports him staying totally fine? He's 21, so no, he doesn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I raised them to eat healthy. I cooked yeah. almost every night. Um, they eat vegetables, and they both, when they go through some of their you know young adult periods where they're eating burgers and fries and whatever for a long, yeah, they feel it, and then they go back to I need some vegetables. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the health piece has been there like all along and continues. Am I as diligent right now? No, but it's fine. Like I'm good. I'm aware of where like I'm comfortable and like we just like Matthew's never been to a McDonald's at 19. So there's certain things like we don't drink soda. We don't go to fast food place. I don't eat processed food. Does it mean that I don't enjoy French fries on occasion? Uh, Yes, I absolutely do. There's different ways to make French fries. Yeah. Well, and I love them. So I don't believe in, you know, outside of from a healing perspective, I don't believe of eliminating anything. Like if an Oreo was your most favorite food on the planet and you wanted to eat healthier, find a way to include the Oreo in there in moderation. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people um, I'm vegan and Oreos are now vegan. Just, which is like, I, I, I love right. that they're claiming that it's just because there's no actual food in them. So they can't have right. any animal products. But, um, yeah, since like, since finding that out, you think it would have been like, oh, well then have a, no, I've still never had, an, I, I used to like, that was my jam as a little kid when I was fat, I would eat like the entire, like each row right. would be like right. a single serving for me. Um, one day I guess I'll have an Oreo or like a, uh, Paul Newman's the Newman O's or whatever they call it because they're uh, organic yeah, yeah, yeah. at least but yeah I don't know I think it's it's a gateway drug for me I'm nervous about re-unlocking <laughs> Sugar? yeah yeah and it'll yeah. take me right back to my childhood yeah uh, and I, like that's the one thing I don't have is I don't attribute food to like self-medicating mm. or um filling a void did you ever do that no no, and not that I haven't like emotionally eaten yeah. here and there, but my emotional eating is, oh, I'll have like three squares of chocolate instead of one. So it's not still within reason. It's yeah, it's not like yeah. the overabundance or overeating or anything either. So it just do you come down on yourself afterward though? Like I was bet yeah, I I like that because that's what someone no. said to me is they're like, if you if you give in to that feeling of that need like this is the way I'm feeling right now. That brings me joy. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have the two or three squares. And then you beat yourself up for three days. It's like, well, not only were you quote unquote bad, you also took away any of the benefit you would have gotten from it. Right. Like like that would go against my general life principle. Like just enjoy it. Yeah. 
right? Like we could start over in the next moment or the next day. And sometimes there's, you know, a reason why you're craving that thing too. Like, and I think, you know, if you're not really overindulging, yeah, like just allow it to be what it is. Yeah. Like the fighting and the resisting piece is almost worse since causing stress and internalizing negative feelings yeah. than it is to just do it and enjoy it. Yeah. Where's where's the connection then moving from the wellness piece into the business coaching? Like there's all kinds of not triggers, but connections going off for me. Um, <laughs> not Oreos in business, but like, look, we make mistakes, right? And yeah. we have we make bad hires and we have clients we shouldn't be bending over backwards for and whatever. Well, and I, like, I teach that. I'm like, expect that. Yeah. Like, don't be surprised when, you know, so-and-so doesn't show up for work. Like, if it's not that person, it's going to be somebody else. You don't hire the right person on the first try. Yeah. You know, you're going to do stuff. You're going to invest stuff. You're going to spend money the wrong way or the way that, you know, doesn't align with you and just learn from it. Yeah. Like, everything's just an experience and... I think we do so much beating up on ourselves. Like the last thing we need in our business is to beat ourselves up because we didn't make our sales quota or, you know, we didn't make the right hire or whatever. Yeah. And like, just look at what you learned from it. Yeah. As long as you grow from it, that's, that's where the benefit lies. But if you sit there beating yourself up, well, you're not necessarily growing. And if you're just like, no, everything's fine. Move ahead. And, it's a new day. Yeah, then that you're doesn't hiding. serve you either. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I'm observing and looking at and asking for outside input too, because you need that extra person or persons to kind of show you where your blind spots are. Yeah. So, you know, and that's part of what, what I serve as as a coach is I get to help people see where their blind spots are so that they can evaluate more effectively. Yeah. I think this self-valuing piece comes right front and center here again, because if you're not valuing yourself, you are going to go to this beat yourself up place or because the insecurity around yourself, I can't spend any time in the negative because I'm so bad and I don't want to face it. So I'm just going to move on. And it's like, either way, you're not serving yourself. You're not going to grow. But if you're comfortable and confident in yourself enough, you can face what didn't go well, grow from it. And you also believe that you're capable of doing it differently next time from that learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the grow and the capable piece. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't. And a lot of times like, oh, I didn't know that X, Y, and Z existed or I could do it that way. So I can do that. If you step into just being determined to do things differently. Yeah. Then it'll happen. I mean, you, you shared uh, this major life change in the divorce as that pivotal critical thing that allowed you to get to the place you're at here now, but there's yeah. also a really long process. I always hit my mic stand and then it echoes forever. Um, okay. There's a really long, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it. I'm going to learn to keep my hands closer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, there's a really long process in there too. And yeah. you had a commitment to do that work. It's not just like, oh, now I'm free, so I'm fine. So, I mean, that, I think that's a big part yeah. of the message as well. Well, and it continues. Yeah. Like, and not that I don't have my stuff together. Like, I do. But there's, for me, there's always another level, another lesson, another something. Sometimes things, you know, show up. And I'm like, oh, well, isn't that interesting that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm having this experience with, you know, whether it's business or personal. And, you know, this is from my past. So it allows me to see in a non-judgmental way, like, Oh, I can do this differently. Yeah. And this is where this is where the benefit is because I'm going to be able to yield a different result. Yeah. Yeah, and we I mean, we keep changing. I was reading Start Finishing by Char- Charlie Gilkey and he calls out how we go through these sort of 3 to 5 year cycles yeah. where like we change every 3 to 5 years and so the notion that like you put in the work, you you know, follow all the steps, you get the coaching and you're done and it will carry you through for the next 40 years or whatever it is. That's the wrong expectation. So I always say, like, I don't want to be done, but you really can't be because we will naturally, like, our lives change. The situations yeah. around us change. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because when, <clears throat> excuse me, it's funny because when I first started doing the work, I was like, all right, well, when am I going to be done? 
<laughs> and my coaches were like, you're not done. Like, you're never done. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I was pissed. I was like, I don't want to go through any more of this. Yeah. And now I'm looking forward to it because I'm like, what's the next level? What's the next level? Like, and it's again, that like fun, that play, like, how can I shift this to continue to grow? And as I'm growing, what does that allow me to do or impact or bring into my life? Yeah. We definitely, I mean, we face moments that are so extreme. We want them to be finished and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like the process of divorce, the situation with Brian when he was young, yeah. like those are things we, we want them over. We want to be on the other side of it. I get that. But there, it, to, to assume that our ability to grow and change and adapt mm -hmm. is over, it can be really easy when you're in the throes of one of those tough moments to wrap everything up and they're like, well, when am I just going to be done with everything? It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't need to work that way. Yeah. And I've gotten really good about like in the middle of that, like, all right, I don't like this. And I know everything's temporary. So eventually mm. it's going to end and acknowledging that I feel awful. Yeah. Whether it's angry, sad, hurt, like whatever the feeling is. Um, but I'm in the inquiry again of what am I, what am I really learning here? Yeah. What, you know, what's showing up for me that I need to do differently and look at differently. Yeah. And it, there's a, when I can fully get into that place, even when I'm still experiencing the upset, it, there's a lot of peace that kind of comes through for me, at least in that place. So the, you know, the event isn't as traumatic. Yeah. I, I think what seems to be coming through the loudest for me in your story, and it, it hits right back at what you didn't have in your youth, mm -hmm. is this idea of allowing for. Like not just allowing for yourself to matter and to be valued, but allowing yourself the space to have that kind of discomfort and for that to be okay and to be heard yeah. and respected, even if you still have to go through the other stuff. Like you said, like your kids may want X, but you ultimately have to make the decision and it may not be what they wish it was, but they still yeah. get to have that voice and know that like, look, we may not have gotten our way, but at least we were considered. Mm -hmm. It's like allowing, you know, allowing that. Yeah, room. absolutely. Um, allowing and, and the, like being heard mm. uh, um, and, and acknowledging like their, their wants, their needs, their thoughts. And now it's, you know, we just have really cool conversations about what we're thinking about. Yeah. Um, you know, when they were 11 and 12, they were not thrilled that we didn't get the, you know, 75th box of Legos. But, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> My son's pretty good, but yeah, there's some things that it's like, yeah, because he's 11. So like that is a really big deal to him and anyway but yeah it changes we, over yeah. time it does it does yeah. although i sent matthew out at christmas time to go buy himself legos because i'd gotten rid of all of them when i moved and um he came home with two things and he just needed to build something and there's yeah. nothing in my apartment or in the general area right now for for him to build and he's like all right i'm better now so. that's awesome there's some pretty he, cool Lego kits. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He, he went to a couple of different stores, picked out the ones that he wanted, had them put together in a couple hours. They were bigger ones and like whatever works for you, dude. Like that's, yeah. that's great. But we had what felt like the world's largest supply of Legos at that point. Yeah. It would be the second largest at this point. Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Only child. Christmas time gets spoiled yeah. like everyone and his birthdays are around then too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this, this has turned into a completely different podcast, which maybe should be a signal that we should move on. Um, <laughs> so where, where can people get a hold of you and, and um, see the work that you're doing and, and get in touch with you to get some help with their business? Yeah, absolutely. I invite everybody to join my Facebook community, which is the tribe of leaders and then um, check out my podcast, The Tribe of Leaders. And my website is emmykirshner.com. And that's E-M-I-K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R.com. And I will link to all of that in the show notes. And awesome. um, that was great. It's really it's good to connect with you again and to hear more of your story. Last time I yeah. did most of the talking. Um, so it was really good. And um I think it is so neat as we reflect back, like connecting the dots throughout our lives. And 
as we see other people and we sometimes maybe judge their behavior, just remember, like, we all have stories, we all have those dots, and whether we're seeing them in the moment, like, there's a reason why. It doesn't make it okay, but there's a reason why we're getting that version of them and maybe yeah. allow for them to be that way or allow them to value themselves as you should for yourself. Absolutely. And I mean, everything that I've been through and there's, there's a lot, um, like I really have an appreciation for, because without those experiences, I wouldn't be here. Mm. And I love where I'm at right now. Yeah. So like, that's, that's the really cool thing. That's a really consistent theme with all of my guests is I have yet to hear anyone who's like, Oh, I wish this never happened. They might say like, I wish I didn't go through that pain or this, you know, there's aspects that they wouldn't wish on someone else, but no one's ever said, you know, I wish I never, I mean, people with brain tumors who people who've had Mm -hmm. legs removed, like no one's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I wish I had that still, or I didn't have that. And I think that's an important thing for us to take back in. Yeah. I, totally agree with you yeah um, um awesome. we can make yeah we can make whatever we want out of every experience so, yeah yeah awesome um are you ready to help me close it okay yeah today is a new day and just play oh i like that that's i think you're the first to throw play in there it's yeah I love playing. i'm yeah. very connected to my inner five-year-old as my kids will tell you yeah so chocolate and legos yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh and glitter right (laughs) and i'm right behind you with a vacuum been shaking my head Um, amy thank you so much for joining us and for not throwing any glitter on my house i appreciate that you are so welcome next time though yeah next time i'll watch out small quantities yeah awesome thanks so much (laughs) thank you great just so like clear and straightforward and you can see how that childhood story of not having a voice and not being heard really impacts how emmy is and how being heard and having a voice and being able to speak clearly what you care about what you wish for is not only a part of her delivery but is a part of how she goes about her professional world and trying to help others do the same I love this this idea that she's created a sense of flow for her life through facing all the things that she's had in a variety of different contexts, and it really is a part of where she's at today. You can grow and be capable once you understand all that. Awesome, awesome stuff. Definitely check Emmy out. Listen to her podcast. It's great. Tribal Leaders, she's got some really incredible guests on who have very... Um, they're you know they're not just like really good leadership stories, but stories and guidance and advice that you can take right into your practice as a leader. And let's face it, we're all leaders in some way, shape, or form, right? We all lead in our lives, or you know more more specifically, like in a professional setting. But we all have forms of leadership. Even if you see yourself as a follower, I guarantee you, there's something about your life where you are the leader. And so these lessons can really be valuable. Um, One episode I would shout out, other than the one that I was on, is actually when Emmy has her son Brian on, and we obviously got into talking about him in this episode. So that's one I was really curious about to hear kind of his interpretation of his life story and where she fits in and just, I don't know, hearing the person he's become when you think about how she's tried to frame her interaction with her kids. So I thought it was really cool. That's episode 42. Um, all right. I will leave it there. Definitely check Emmy out and all of her work. You can get more inspiration from Do A Day as a whole, not just the podcast, but definitely subscribe to the podcast. And then for Do A Day, grab the book. You can watch the TED Talk. You can do all of that at brianfelchuk.com. I really encourage you to jump in and take that in. And you can check out my latest book, The 50-75-100 Solution, so you can learn how to build better relationships while you're there. Super valuable. And if you're part of a book club, 10% off for book clubs to grab 10 copies or more of either or both books and... I'll jump in and do a one-hour video session with you and your book club members 
to talk about what you just read, questions you have, things you want to dig deeper on. I've done this with a few book clubs now. It's really valuable. I love the discussions that we get into. And I know for myself, having been a part of book clubs, I wish I could have gotten access to the authors. I think that's huge. And it just takes your understanding and the depth that you pull out of this book that you and a group of your peers, your friends, put yourselves into. It just lets you pull so much back out of it and makes that investment you put in even more valuable. So check that out at brianfalchuk.com slash book club. Super easy to remember if you're part of a book club. Just put in what you're a part of after the slash brianfeltrick.com slash book club. Okay, I'm going to close up there. Have an amazing day. Take in these lessons from Emmy about listening, about thinking through, about reflecting and learning in the process and go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.